five, four, three, two, one. I'm John Miglosh for the Wisconsin DMA and the International Society for Strategic Marketing. I'm out in La Crosse today, but be sure to leave some comments. We're going to be checking out the print show out there, and I'm talking about print right now today. How to sell print, how to do digital printing, and some other topics which I think you'll enjoy. But first, let's get over and watch the Back to School Coles campaign, which is kind of fun. I really like it, and we're going to talk about Coles as well. Heading back to school is more exciting than ever. And when kids have what they need to move forward together, anything is possible. Cold. Okay, so the plot line, it's only a 15-second commercial, is he sees this cute girl going by on a skateboard, and then somebody, probably his older brother or somebody, teaches him how to skateboard so he can skate along with her. And isn't that cute? Anyway, but let's talk about retail, and let's talk about, uh, let's talk about, Digital printing sales. Okay, so, you know, the digital printing world has been, um, you know, since 1978 when R.R. When Donnelly and Farm Journal got together and decided that they could sell more advertising if they had segmented farm groups because a hog farmer and a wheat farmer aren't necessarily the same thing. We've been told any minute now, uh, every piece of print could be completely customized to your personal tastes so that when it arrives at your house, you know it's all about you. Um, and Roger Gimbel, again, reiterates that same claim. Uh, he says, digital printing has been around for 20 plus years. Yeah, well, personalized inserting has been around for <laughs> almost 50 years. <laughs> You know, and whenever I talk to printers, they say, oh, yeah, most of our customers don't use that stuff or they don't use it very well or et cetera. So what are the challenges? Um, and here's one of the challenges. Digital work is short run driven, has quick turnaround times, variable data techniques, Personalize impressions by groupings or individuals marrying messages with data and play a critical role in multi-channel campaigns. Right, but it's short run. So a lot of times printers are saying, you know, we can send out less pieces with more response rate. But as Dick Cabela sent, said to me, you know, I don't want to cut circulation. I don't want to try to guess who isn't in, interested right now. I want to mail everybody. And on our uh, direct marketing club of New York last week, uh, John Sisson said basically a lot of his clients just want to mail everybody they think is even remotely viable. And so the good news is that printers get more work that way. Whereas if you convince your client to cut back on circulation, you will be missing some orders, and you might just teach them that by cutting the waste, cutting the waste, you can make more money. But few companies shrink to greatness. Very few companies shrink to greatness. That's from my friend Jim Carey at the University, uh, Northwestern University down in Chicago area. Very smart guy. Okay. And so 
conversations and pitches must emphasize outcomes like better conversion rates, higher customer engagement, better ROI, and the role of data in crafting relevant messages. Right. You know, we bought a lot of stuff from Kohl's, and my son worked there for almost five years, you know, I mean, on and off while he was going to school and stuff. They liked him. And we never got anything personalized from Kohl's. And part of the, you know, and they had our buying history. My wife would be buying stuff for our three daughters there. They knew we had daughters. They knew we had, you know, a, a female decision maker in the household. I bought some stuff, especially when Matt was working there. But they knew all kinds of stuff about our buyer preferences. They just gave us 30% off. We came in. And my wife always made sure to watch for those coupons that were mailed. And I hope they tested other things. I hope they tested personalization. But, you know, sometimes a good offer will build traffic. And the whole personalization thing is mm, tricky. Sometimes fewer impressions cost more per piece but deliver better results. Well, what do you mean by better? You know, are you doing holdout tests? Right? Are you thinking multi-step campaigns? Are you selling the concept of direct marketing where you can use mail to drive traffic but also to test offers and then funnel it into mass media and other uh, multi-channel venues? Or are you just saying, gee, we can cut your print budget? That would be an interesting sale for a printer. You know, most of the printers I know that are successful don't say that too often and too loudly. Show brand managers how to test market. Now, there's a good word. Test market campaigns in small batches. But if they're too small, you know, we used to, minimum would be 2,500 pieces. You know, and, and when I talk about that with printers, they're like, whoa. So what was your real run? Well, you know, hundreds of thousands. Right, but we would test 2,500 pieces per list, per list segment, per cell, uh, with our analytics and our and our high-powered machine learning tools. Right. Well, if your mailing is only 10,000 pieces, you can't cost justify this stuff, and that's one of the dangers. One of the dangers is you're talking people into something that may not raise your response rate at all but will cut your overall sales. Here, and here's the next point. Do a thorough analysis of potential clients. Understand their business, their challenges, their competitors, their goals. Okay, well, I've been doing marketing consulting for 40 years coming up in September, and that's not easy. And... I've worked concurrently with about six different competitors in the same industry within catalog, within business-to-business -business cataloging, and each one got different advice from me, and basically all of their revenue per piece went up for different reasons. We emphasized different quality that each one's had. I'm not sure you'd, you'd know that, especially in the digital marketing world where you can't really see what they're sending to anybody. You know, in, in the catalog world, we could at least dis decompose their catalog. Which reminds me, here's here's my Uline catalog. Uline stopped in, and as a parting gift, here's my Uline catalog. 
Look at that thing. Man, how do you digest that? Wow. They gave me this little pallet. I thought that was so cute. You know, talk about a nice business gift. Keeps the name in front of you, uh, although I might put the name below the 800 number, but the 800 number on top. Why? Because once you use up half the, the pallet, I mean, you still got the 800 number, but you might forget that it's from Uline. Nah, you'll never forget that. And I told Ken that that would be on the show. <laughs> so there it is. Ken, I haven't got your follow-up call yet. I'm going to have to call Liz again. Don't talk DPI, right? And I think that's dots per inch. Um, ROI, customer engagement, response rates, conversion rates, cross-promotion, and other results. It's always good to talk results, but... You know, I've been helping a, a, a medium-sized printer up in the Twin Cities, and, you know, he's frustrated because, you know, he only had somebody mail five or 10,000, and the results were sort of mixed. You know, we talked a lot about repeats and testing and test lists and test offers and test segments, but if you're only mailing 10,000, the best you should be doing is, the most you should be doing is something like an A-B split. You know, maybe a two-dimensional, but that's really dicey, depending on your response, projected response rate. And he's selling high-ticket merchandise, um, HVAC stuff. So really, an A-B split is the most you could come up with. And, you know, I'm not sure how many, I never got the results, but how many actual responses were given. You have to have a really great offer when you're mailing so few. Uh, suggest taking 25% of a large mailing and try adding a personal URL or a personalized message. Yeah, and that's a good point. A good point is you don't have to mail the whole thing and personalize the whole thing. Also think of corollary products. Retailers may need flyers and point of purchase and all that. Okay, partner up. This was a good point. I really like this point because, like I said, you know, I'm a kind of a consultant that with machine learning has consistently increased circulation for the printer. That's rare. Most machine learning gurus will tell you, we'll cut the waste. We'll cut the waste. And I've had catalogers just about put out of business by that kind of thinking. Where they will, especially if they're using crude tools like RFM. No, not that RFM doesn't work. But if you're using, you know, 60% of your, of your file, of your customer file, probably hasn't bought much, hasn't bought lately, and only bought once. So, you know, the only option is a meat axe to knock off that 60%. And if you're used to mailing 200,000 and now you're going to cut it to 100,000, the chances of that matching the revenue and all of a sudden your warehouse is too big. You know, Western Publishing, a friend of mine worked there and they decided to segment their their customers that kept the book but didn't pay by zip code and they found out that 20% of the zip codes are responsible for 80% of the of the non-payment so they cut that out they cut out 20% of their mailing one year one worked so well they cut out 20% more now they're down 40% of their mailing and guess what their warehouse got too too big their overhead went up on a cost per order basis dramatically went up and all of a sudden, their whole business model fell apart, and one of the largest publishing companies in America went under by trying to shrink to greatness. So find partners that will grow Cirque, not shrink it. 
That's a really a key point here. Okay, find the right price person. Yeah, don't don't try to sell your print buyer because you're probably going to cost him his job, him or her, uh, if you're going to cut tell, convince him to cut Cirque. Uh, digital printing shines at short run work. So, you know, web to print, e-commerce site that eliminates human interventions. Yeah, those are good add-ons. I would say those are good add-ons, but you don't want to, you don't want to, mm, 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 you don't want to cut those off to basically stop their print marketing inadvertently. Digital share of printing marketing is expected to grow, yeah, because we keep pr promoting it over good offers. We keep claiming that we can personalize and we can predict what people will want, and you know what? That just isn't true. So let's go over to my friend, Stephen Yu, genius database guy. He says, the first rule of personalization is how not to annoy the customer. And Stephen's going to give us a couple of ideas on uh, things to keep in mind on personalization. Personalization is a tough word to, to, uh, a tough word to define. Its meaning isn't quite so clear. You know, you can put their first name on your their email, or you can explicitly you can you can collect explicitly expressed preferences like, you know, past clicks and retarget with mail, or you can do mail in their shopping abandoned shopping carts. Those make sense, and those make sense for digital printing, especially if you can get it there fast enough. Okay, uh, you can customize emails and landing pages based on profiles and behaviors. That's very tough. Because you can't guess what I want to buy. Why? Why can't you guess what I want to buy next? Because I don't know what I'm going to buy next. You know, I've often asked audiences when I'm speaking, let's pretend that we could ask you what you're going in for at your Costco or your Walmart. You know, my, my wife sent me to Costco a couple of months ago for a some pack of pecans she wanted to make some christmas candies and i came home with a big screen tv which wasn't very good actually either so i had to take it back but you know she won't let me go to costco alone anymore uh so you ask a customer well what are you going in here for and then let's look at your shopping cart on the way out and you know what most audiences will admit only one in a hundred trips are they going to come out with exactly what they went in for Maybe they were out of stock. Maybe they'd changed brands. Or maybe you bought something you didn't expect to. So if you, knowing all you know about you, can't predict what you're going to buy next, don't put it on some fancy machine learning AI expert to predict it. I watched an early AI demo of uh, live at a grocery store with a Catalina marketing type device you know, which tries to recommend stuff. Now, mostly they limit it to, like, if you're buying Diet Coke, they'll recommend Pepsi instead or vice versa, whoever's paying them. You know, so it's really, really tight within within category. But this was the early days, and we watched live. We watched a customer come uh, come to the, to the uh, convenience store counter with a carton of cigarettes. And the... <laughs> And the machine learning recommended a jar of mayonnaise. It was a heck of a demo. I wish I had to videotape that. Okay, so knowing when, when to contact and 
through which channel? Very, very difficult. You know, the best thing is a holdout test. The best thing is to not mail some of the people that you're intending on because at least in, in direct mail, you can isolate who got mailed and who didn't. And you know that there was engagement with a decision maker. So you know who engaged, you know they all engaged, and either bought more or engaged and didn't buy more. And then you can, you can also analyze those who didn't engage because you didn't send them anything. Right now, maybe the social media and the influencers and the mass media and the billboards and all the other advertising you do more than made up the direct mail lift. But I've never seen it happen. Every time I've ever tested it, and we did 500,000 piece tests with 10% holdouts six years in a row with Musician's Friend, and they were doing all the email and all the rest of it. And guess what? 300% return on investment on average, right? That's EBITDA. We took it down to the profitability. But uh, revenue was, you know, always higher with the people we mailed than the people we, we held out. And we did it very carefully. With LoveSack, we found a 900% return on investment on the cost of that catalog. Mailing customers who had already bought oftentimes thousands of dollars from us. Oftentimes, they passed it along to their neighbors because they knew they were going to get another catalog coming. Amazing stories. Okay, keeping in touch with your customers constantly. You know, yeah, I have, Stephen goes on to say he's, he's basically unsubscribed to many brands because they, two things, because they contact him too often and they have this idea that they can guess what he's going to buy next. Or suggesting more of the same products that you just purchased with retargeting, right? None of these are wrong answers on personalization, but they can be executed really, really, really badly. Let's say you clearly stated to a hotel chain you preferred a room with a king-size bed near an elevator on a not-so-high floor. Or like I, I always try to get an aisle seat on an airplane because there's a little more room. You can get bonked in by the courtesy tray, bonked. But, um, you know, you shouldn't have to keep saying that over and over and over. Now, this can be a little dangerous because, you know, Amazon back in the day started asking me what I was interested in. And I said, or tried to say, Christian books and hunting books, because those are my t two of my interests. I bought a lot of those on Amazon. And uh, they didn't have categories for that, even though I told them that what I wanted. They had spiritual and outdoor. And so they started recommending this long stream of, mm, I'm not sure what, Hindu environmentalist books, I guess. Um, needless to say, that unsubscribed me forever from Amazon. Uh, so, you know, you got to watch the categories. If you, if you don't give consumers the right categories, and that's all part of, building proper data analysis tools. And sometimes an answer can deserve multiple dimensions of categories. We're not going to get into that today, but it's a great article. Um, a starting point, you should at least take into consideration a customer's preference. But, you know, that isn't even simple because you need a variety of creative content. You know, I've, I've worked with a number of mailers that, 
you know, we tried to say we tried to like custom inkjet messages and stuff and take them to products that were similar to what they'd bought in the past. And, you know, you get sick of trying to say the same thing over and over and over month after month after month in different ways. And they aren't that different. And surprisingly, it doesn't give much lift after a while. Might at first, but not in a while. And so let's say you want a custom landing page. You want to do what R.R. Donnelly promised. You want to change the content so that when I go to your site, I see different things from Kohl's.com than you do. Or Menards or some other, you know, big box. Does your support, does your site support such a dynamic display? Or better yet, do you have enough creatives, and that means creative people, for that, for that effort? And how do you know that what you're recommending is what they want because you're trying to guess what they're going to want to buy next? Did we already cover this? Were you listening? You don't know what you're going to buy next. How are you going to guess what I'm going to buy next? It's not possible. Only a very small fraction of customers actually let marketers know what they care about, and oftentimes marketers completely ignore it, as we already pointed out. He says, I opted out of many of my favorite brands because they didn't know when to leave me alone. Rather than good offers, they try to guess at the right time, like the digital print thing said. You don't, not only don't you know what I want, you sure don't know when I want it. Because usually it's, it's something that pops in my head and I go buy it. If I'm going to do e-commerce, you can't be fast enough for that. You can't beat me. Or I don't click anything and I figure I'll get it later and sometimes it's three months later because I just forgot about it. Then something will trigger it and I haven't looked for it yet because I don't, I don't search around. I, I, I say, I need to buy that. How about binder clips yesterday? whole bunch of binder clips. I've been meaning to do that for a couple of months. I had not searched on it, but I searched, bought, and all done all in one five-minute move. Okay. And product, oh, you just bought that item, so you might like this too. One of the things I always credit Amazon with is they never say that. They say, people who bought this book also bought. They never say that they can guess your next preference. They just say, this book goes, somebody thought it went with this other book. Might have nothing to do with it. When they first started doing that, all they did was fill slots. So the first time some book was on sale and somebody bought something else, they put it in the slot and they never changed them. No analytics, no nothing. And if they're stupid, so what? You know, maybe it'll sell. You know, you don't know what's going on in a customer's mind. And, you know, Sports Illustrated made great strides when they accidentally bought Saturday morning cartoon spots. Because dad was watching him with the kids and he was interested in Sports Illustrated and didn't care about missing the show. Whereas if you're doing the finals of the NBA, Game 6, which Milwaukee Bucks won, yay! I was so proud of him. I teared up when I watched Giannis get MVP and make that 50th point free throw. Only seven people have ever scored 50 points in the history in the NBA Finals series, that was amazing. Because the rest of the team was pretty much letting them down. <laughs> they weren't making, you know. Oh man, I, you know, their their hot shot new guy that they. 
thought was going to be a superstar. And he had a great game last game, so we don't want to fault him too much. But he was like one for 20 in three-point land. So, or, okay, I bought an air filter, and, you know, why don't you buy another air filter? People are not just sums of product purchases. You want a series of gentle nudges. And oftentimes, and test this for heaven's sakes, a good offer is better than this endless attempt to try to guess when someone's going to buy and guess what they're going to want next. Is it a wonder it hasn't worked? And it generally doesn't work. Find me a case study where it does, and I'll be happy to listen. And I'll put it on the show. Have a great day. Like and share. Your friends will know you're smart. Bye-bye.